Praise God. Whew. How many feel the presence of the King? Hallelujah. It's about, it's about having an encounter with Him. A few weeks ago, we started this journey. Of course, God is not dead, but representing Jesus to a world that doesn't know who the real Jesus anymore is. They show him all kind of ways on TV. There's all kind of programs that try to reveal him different ways. But we want to get to know the real Jesus and we want to represent the real Jesus with all of our heart, our soul, and our mind. Amen. And you know, we've seen many moves come into the body of Christ. There's been faith movements and charismatic movements and gifts movements. There's been so many things and we've seen a, a huge worship movement hit the body of Christ and it will continue. But even... I felt the Holy Spirit told me something that even with this awesome worship uh, move of God, which will continue, that when we saw Jesus being worshipped in the New Testament, they worshipped him, but they didn't all follow him. And I believe that in these days, God is raising up followers of himself, true followers of his word, true followers of who he is. And we have studied Jesus and we've studied him so far as Jesus is representing love and representation of grace. And you can find 12 different characteristics of Jesus just in the book of Ephesians alone. Jesus is from Genesis to Revelation. He, he is part of the author. He's the story. He's the types and shadows. You find him throughout the word of God. And is this Jesus that we want to know? And is this Jesus we want to follow no matter what the cost is? And we would have never thought persecution would have come to our country to the degree that it has and to the degree it will come. And the test of how much do I truly going to lay my life on the line to follow my Jesus? And today we want to talk about something that is very lacking where it's lost its salt and its light and it's the area of truth, representing Jesus, the truth. For it says, and this is part of the doctrine of the church of Jesus Christ, and behold the word, Jesus, became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. How many want to behold his glory? How many want to behold his glory even now, even before we see him? We want to see him in the volume of the book that is written about him. To behold his glory. The glory is the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and what? And what? Say, say truth. truth. Full of grace and truth. The truth of Jesus Christ. To behold that. And John 14, 6, it says, And Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the what? The truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Doesn't matter how the world tries to change and lie and transform and cover that there is other ways unto the Father. The word of God, which we must not only believe, but we must trust and be assured of is the truth. That it is the only way through Jesus Christ is the way to get to heaven. Can I hear an amen? amen. You know, we cannot logically explain everything we feel and everything we know. We cannot, we cannot allow our logic to be the authority over our lives. We cannot let our logic and our own wisdom and our knowledge and our teachings and our understandings of, of this world or any way, we cannot have it be the authority over our life. There's that still small voice of the Holy Spirit that's come within you to guide and to lead you, to keep you, to protect you. Our life depends upon us believing and trusting the truth. You know, my son... Uh, my youngest son who's in the army, he, he surprised us uh, with another four-day weekend. He's been in, in uh, the field learning, uh, driving a Bradley, which is a type, looks like a tank. And he was telling us just this week that, you know, he's the driver. And then there's the sergeant in command above him. And then there's the gunner. 
And because of the, the gunner and because of the barrel that comes out to the right, he cannot see when he, he looks through a window the size of a fishbowl, he can't see anything to his right. And his vision to the left, there's no rearview mirrors or nothing like that. There's no side mirrors. And he's got himself, and he's driving this Bentley. This Bentley. Yeah. He's driving this Bradley. But totally, totally listening to the voice of the one above who is seen. And this sergeant has already been in battle a number of times. He's been in the army for 18 years. And I just thank God that God sent someone. He's the most experienced sergeant in Fort Hood as far as the Bradley goes. And he's my son's sergeant. And so my son has learned to totally rely upon this man's voice. Not by what he sees. He cannot drive the tank by what he sees. He has to drive by what he hears the sergeant above who sees for him. And not only is he driving sight unseen for himself, but he's got his gunner, he's got his sergeant, and then there's seven or eight soldiers that can get in the back of the Bradley. There's a lot of lives in his hands. And I think about just a year ago, I was pulling him out of a ditch uh, in front of the, the Hickson funeral home because it was rainy and he turned the, the corner too fast and went in the ditch and I got that famous call, dad, get here quickly <laughs> and got over there and the policeman was kind enough to let me pull him out so I didn't get a ticket. But anyway, we pulled him out and they went on. But this is the guy I just put out of the ditch and nine other lives are gonna be riding in that tank. But yet he's being taught to go by what he hears, by what he hears, not what he sees. And I don't know about you, but a few months ago, my wife and I found this palm, this fake palm tree for sale. So we bought it. And the only way to get it home was to put it in the Jeep. And the branches came all the way to the front. And you can understand this. I couldn't see the rearview mirror. I couldn't see out the window. And I couldn't see part of my windshield. So I have to cross a highway. And I'm going, honey, is it clear? Yeah, you can go now. You sure? Yeah, you can go now. And I start trying to put the branches back because just hearing her, no offense, just hearing her was not enough for me to cross the highway. I got to see for myself because it is hard to go on by just what you hear and not what you see. But yet Jesus taught us faith is the evidence of things not seen. But you trust in that word. Can I hear an amen? You trust beyond the, the logic. And, and Jesus says in John 17, as he's praying this beautiful prayer in John 17, he says, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is the truth. And that word sanctify means set them apart. Declare them holy. I love this. Declare them holy. Make them legit. Make them legitimately, legitimately my children. Make them heirs to the throne. Make them my children. And it says, bind them, accept them. And it comes from the Latin word, influence them. So Jesus is saying, I want your word to influence your children in every area of their life. Let it be the major influence in their life. Because how many know God's word works? Because he spoke everything that he has made. He spoke into existence. He knows how it works. He knows how you made. He knows how you made. He knows your temperament. He knows your personality. He knows everything about you. He knows how you are made. So he knows how to speak a word to make you keep working. Can I hear an amen? He knows how to speak that right word. Even in the midst of the trials and difficulties, when you don't know what to do, his word wants to be the influence. And when I read that definition about it being the influence, it made me think about that song, The Voice of Truth. Maybe you've heard that song, The Voice of Truth. But the waves are calling out my name and they laugh at me. 
reminding me of all the times I've tried and failed before. The waves, they keep on telling me time and time again, boy, you'll never win. You'll never win. But the voice of truth tells me a different story. The voice of truth says, do not be afraid. The voice of truth said, this is for my glory. And out of all the voices calling out to me, I choose to listen and believe the voice of truth. Can I hear an amen in the house today? All the voices that I hear, I choose to believe the voice of truth. And one thing I want to share with you, sometimes it's hard to handle the voice of truth. Jesus said the Holy Spirit is the voice of truth and he will speak the truth to you. Paul has a situation in the church in, in Corinthians. And he says, I can't go to you and you're better off that I don't because if I saw you in person, you wouldn't like it. So I'm gonna write you a letter and he wrote the letter of First and Second Corinthians. He says, I wanna speak to you in a certain way, but I can't because you're babies. So I cannot speak to you as mature, so I'll speak to you as babes. And I always wondered, would you ever wonder what would Paul sound like if he would have went there in person? You ever wonder that? Well, I dug in the archives. And just like I found a picture of Peter that looked like Dwayne Johnson, the rock, I found Paul if he would have been there in person. And this is Paul. You don't have to answer that question. I'll answer the question. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. Can't handle the truth. Can't handle the truth. The truth. The truth. The truth. <laughs> you can't handle the truth. Oh, you can't handle the truth. We want the truth. We want to live by the truth. But how many times we can't handle the truth? And that's what Paul was saying. I want to speak to you as mature, but I've got to speak to you as babes. Because if I tell you the truth, you can't handle the truth. How many, I remember Rocky three when Rocky's just not doing, he's not into it. And Adria takes him to the, to the, he's running. Adria goes over there. Rocky, tell me the truth. He goes, what you're trying to do to me, Adria? I want the truth. But Adria, I don't know the truth. Tell me the truth. I don't know the truth. Rocky, what is the truth? You want the truth? I'm scared. You want the truth? I'm scared. <laughs> and by him telling the truth, the truth set him free. Even though it was hard to disclose, he told the truth. And that's what God is telling us here. I want to tell you the truth. But how many of you know we can't always handle the truth? For example, we're the church. I could ask this morning, how many of you love God? Amen. Oh, boy. <laughs> okay, let's try it again. How many of you, no trick question, how many of you really love God? The truth. How can you love God you can't see and you hate your brother that you do see? Here's another one. I'll give you four. He who says, I know him. How many of you know him? Okay. And does not keep his commandments is a liar. And the truth is not in him. You can't handle the truth. First John 1, 6. If we say we have fellowship with him, but walk in darkness, we lie. 
and do not practice the truth. 1 John 1, 8. If we say we have no sin, and if I would say, how many of you are sinless? Oh, amen. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. We're all sinners resting upon the blood and the grace and the love of Jesus Christ. How about John 8, 8? Jesus said this. You are of your father, the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there's no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources. Well, that's powerful. The same lies he's always used to defeat and the same tactics is what he continues to use. For he is a liar and the father of it. The Bible says, above all things are deceitful. The heart of man is deceitful. You know, you can meet somebody, especially when you're younger. We call it puppy love. You're in love with this one one week, and you're in love with another one next week. And then you're in love again, and, and you, somebody says, are you really in love? Yeah, I'm really in love. How do you know it? Well, I, I guess I just know it. But then you catch, catch them next time, and they broke up. And we wonder, you know, what is true love? What do we know? What is our heart telling us? And I, I love the way Steve Perry says it. Foolish heart, hear me calling. Stop before you start falling. Foolish heart, heed my warning. You've been wrong before. Don't be wrong anymore. <laughs> Foolish heart. I can't trust my own heart. Am I believing the truth or am I logically or am I telling myself or talking myself into something that's going to bring me harm? Am I full? Am I, Russell Cobb, full of truth about me? And do I trust the truth of the word of God? If I want to represent Jesus, am I truthful? Am I living trusting the truth? Trusting the truth honors the name of Jesus. Trusting the truth is how God is glorified. The Father wants to be trusted. And we need to believe the truth. We need to be full of the truth. And we need to be truthful. Amen. But Jesus trusted the truth. And in Hebrews chapter 11, it's called the hall of faith. And it talks about all these ones. Verse 6 says, it's impossible to please God. That if you come to him, you must believe that he exists and he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Then it starts speaking about, by faith, Noah. It took a lot of faith and trust for Noah to start building a boat in the middle of nowhere for 110 years before it rained. By faith, Abraham confidently looked forward to a city he knew whose founder and builder was Jesus. He looked forward to Sarah. Even though she was old in age, she was going to bring a child as God had promised. He goes on to talk about Abraham offering up Isaac, believing that God was able to raise him from the dead. I'll kill my son trusting that you'll raise him up again. It was by faith that Moses' parents trusted God that even though Pharaoh was killing all the Hebrew baby boys, they could trust God to keep their boy alive and safe. It was by faith and trust that Moses believed that the people would redeem from under the blood of the lambs and kept from the death angel. It was by faith and trust in God that the Red Sea opened up and they walked on dry ground. It was by trust and faith they walked around the walls of Jericho and God had the city destroyed. It was by faith that Gideon and Barak and Samson and David and so many others trusted God and they were made strong in battle. They overthrew kingdoms and ruled injustice and received what God had promised them and they shut the mouths of lions and quenched the fiery darts and they escaped death death by the sword and in their weakness they returned to strength and they became strong in battle and put whole armies to flight all of this is in the hall of faith of a people who trusted and believed in God is that powerful they trusted in him and and we know today there is so many commercials how many cannot wait till elections over with 
There's all these commercials. I know you want to see other commercials, all these commercials. And everybody's bashing everybody. And everybody's asking, what is the truth? And even on our money, it says, in God we trust. And they want to read the same people who laid their hands on the Bible and swore on the Bible to uphold the Constitution and uphold the laws of the nation. The same people who swore on this book of truth are trying to take in God we trust off of our money. And they're trying to take it out of the places. And what happens when you go into a courtroom? They make you put your hand on the Bible. Here's my buddy here, Cody. They make you put your hand on the Bible. Raise your right hand. Do you solemnly swear? To tell the whole truth. Nothing but the truth. So help you God. I do. do. Okay. He swears on the Bible. People swear on the Bible. And we say. Them politicians. They're a bunch of liars. They're this. They're that and the other. You can't trust any of them. They've laid their hands on the Bible. But I was thinking. The same degree of judgment. We put on the politicians. How about reversing on us to the church. Now for example. I married these two not long ago. And I've been doing a lot of weddings. And it made me think. What if. When they would come to me, and they would say, Brother Russell, we want to get married. And I would say, okay, put your hands on the Bible. Right hand. Right hand. You Raise your right hand. <laughs> okay. I know you're a little slow. So it's, uh, okay, okay, okay. I got it. I'm good. Okay, they come and they go, the Lord told me that this is to be my wife and my husband. Do you swear on the word? As the truth of God that God has told you to, it is his perfect will to get married. Yes. Okay. So, so they swear. She's a girl. She's softer. So they swore on the Bible. They swore on the Bible that the Lord told them they're supposed to be together. Why do you think if I do a wedding, and, I, and on the wedding where they're making their vows, I make them put their hand on the Bible and make them swear to love each other, to cherish each other, to stand by each other, Till death do us part, and may God strike me dead if I do not uphold my vow today. How many would? I ain't paying you, preacher. Or how about I would go up and I'll go, Brother Benny, would you lay a hand on the Bible? Do you swear before God that you pay your tithes? Yeah, you do. I know you do. He didn't want to say nothing. We might have to talk. Or how about this? How about these people who come up and they go, Pastor, Pastor, the Lord has told me to leave the church. Okay, would you place your left hand on the Bible, raise your right hand and repeat after me. I swear upon the truth of the word of God that God has told me to leave the church. We're talking about truthfulness. Mm, I think it was God. You better not swear. <laughs> Did you really hear from God or not? Are we hearing from God or not? Are we really actually want to be 100% truthful in every way or do we not? We saw last week how Eve was deceived from trusting the truth of God. The devil deceived her to believe. Did God really say? Did God really mean that? And she bought into the lie and it cost her her position. And the devil comes with his craftiness. God didn't mean that. And Jesus said that the devil is the father of lies. Lies originate from him. 
His lies come from him to deceive. The Bible also says, believe the prophets and prosper, to believe his word and to believe. But yet, there was something that the devil wanted Eve to see in the fruit. There was something the devil wanted her to see to stop believing that God's word was truth. There's something the devil tries to steal our integrity and make us look at something else. And we can leave church on Sunday and we can be just excited and, and, and just filled with the word of God and ready to go. And we can go out just like Abraham. We read about Abraham. Abraham, Genesis chapter 12. Go and I'll make a great nation out of you. And you're going to have a child of promise even in your old age. And he's going to be this and that and the other. And even in all of that promise, in the same chapter that Abraham is told, you're going to be a father of many nations. And you're going to inherit a land. Abraham all of a sudden sees Sarah and goes, man, Sarah, you're fine. They're going to want you, and they're going to kill me to have you. So I'll, here's the man who trusted God. He was the father of faith and turned into the father of fear. And he says, I want you to lie, and I want you to tell them that you're my, that you're my sister. And she tells Pharaoh that he's Abraham's sister, and God has to cover Sarah because of a lie of Abraham. And then Isaac ends up doing the same type of lie over his wife. And then they have a child and they end up just calling him lie and deceiver because that's what he was. And listen to this. Listen, listen to what I'm going to say here. When Jacob was born, God gave his mother a prophetic word and said, the elder will serve the younger. In other words, the younger child Jacob is going to receive the inheritance even though that's not the way it's worked. It's going to work this way with him. They didn't have to deceive Isaac to get the inheritance. It was a prophetic word from God. But listen to us. The devil wants to try to deceive us to take matters in our own hand and not trust God and his truth to make it come to pass. God gave the mother the prophetic word. Your eldest son will serve the younger. But yet the mother didn't see it happening, couldn't see how it was going to happen. So she says, well, let's help God out here and let's cover you with wool. And your father's going to smell the wool, see the wool, feel the wool. And you're going to deceive him. And he's going to give you the blessing. And you're going to be able to get the blessing. And he got the blessing. But how many of you know, obtaining the blessing his way through deceitfulness and a lie cost him relationship. What story would we have in Genesis if God would have did the blessing and not the lying? What type of story would we have today if it was done differently than somebody trying to help God out? I'll give you an example. What if Abraham would have trusted God over 25 years that the promised child was going to come through Sarah instead of helping God out and taking the servant girl and having Ishmael where the Muslims come from today? Let's help God out. We can't trust the truth because the truth takes too long. We can't wait upon God because days are going, things aren't happening, and I need it to happen now. So I'll help God out, and I'll maneuver, and I'll lie, but I'll do whatever I have. And I believe that's what it means here in Proverbs chapter 20, verse 17. Bread gained by deceit, what looks good to the eyes, the fruit, what I want, gained by lying, stretching the truth, whatever I need to do, is sweet to a man. But afterward, his mouth is filled with gravel. Oh, I like the way it looks. I want that. But at the end, it's not what I expected. I have to trust the truth. Lord, it hasn't happened yet. I'm still going through this time. I still feel lonely. I still feel hurt. It hasn't happened yet. But I'm not going to lie to get this job. 
I'm not going to deceive to get that promotion. I'm going to wait on you. I'm going to trust you. That promotion comes from the Lord, not from me lying on my resume. Truth always wins over a lie. Now, there's something I want to share with you here. Jesus in Matthew chapter 26 says, Then Jesus went with them to the garden called Gethsemane and told his disciples, Stay here while I go out there and pray. Taking along Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he plunged into agonizing sorrow. Then he said, This sorrow is crushing my life out. Stay here and keep vigil with me. Going a little ahead, he fell on his face praying, My father, if there is any way, anyway, get me out of this. But please, not what I want, what you want. Then he came back to his disciples and he found them sound asleep. And he said to Peter, Can't you stick it out for me with a single hour? Stay alert, be in prayer so you don't wander in temptation without even knowing you're in danger. There's a part of you that is eager, ready for anything in God. But there's another part of you that is lazy as an old dog sleeping by a fire. And then he left them a second time. Did I change? I didn't change. Thank you. And he prayed, my father, is there no other way than this? Drinking this cup to the dregs. I am ready. Do it your way. And then verse 43. It says, and when he came back again, he found them sound asleep. And they simply couldn't keep their eyes open. This time, he let them sleep on. And he went back a third time to pray, going over the same ground one last time. And when he came back the next time, he said, are you going to sleep on and make a night of it? My time is up. The Son of Man is going to be handed over to the hands of sinners. Get up. Let's get going. My betrayer is here. Now, in this, we see example of Christ and prayer. But I want you to see Christ and truth. I want you to see, listen to what I'm going to say, Gethsemane. It's a place where they would crush the olives to make oil. It was a place of pressing and a place of pressure. When you get into the place of pressure, does the truth come out or does a lie come out? Jesus got into this place of pressure. And number one, the first thing we see here, that Jesus told the truth to himself. Write this down. The first thing Jesus did here is he told the truth to himself. I am in great sorrow here. I, I need help. I've come to a point where I cannot stand on my own. I want to give it up if I can. He was saying, I'm tired. I'm weary. This is the same one that rebuked Peter. When Peter says, you don't have to go to the cross. This is the one that says, this is the reason I came to give my life. And now we find him in a place of pressing where he's telling the truth. He says, I don't know if I can do this. I'm tired. I'm under too much pressure. I am overwhelmed. And it's like so many times, how are we really feeling about ourselves? It's easy to say, oh, I'm blessed and highly favored of God. But yet the truth is, what is the truth? Do I really feel what I'm going through right now? Am I honest with God? I feel like, I'm the pastor, I feel like I'm about to break. I feel like I'm at my wit's end. And so many people say, say a positive confession. There's time for a positive confession, but there's time also to be truthful with yourself. And Jesus was truthful with himself. I'm tired of being alone. I'm tired of this pressure. This is how I feel. People will say, they'll say, Pastor, I don't need a pat on my back. But the truth is, inside they're going, but I need a pat on my back. Well, say you need a pat on your back. Say you need someone to tell you that they love you. Well, I don't need anybody to tell me anything. The truth is, what is the truth for you? 
What is the truth for you? It's okay to be truthful. But listen, if you can't be truthful with yourself, you can't be truthful with God. You say, well, I'm, I'm a hypocrite. A hypocrite is not an imperfect person. A hypocrite is a person who plays like he's somebody else. It means to be theatrical. It means you're not real. You're supposed to be real with yourself and real with God. You need to go before God and, and just open your heart. This is what I'm feeling. I'm not lying to myself anymore. I've got some emotional issues that I'm trying to cover up by spending money, by, by doing this, by doing that. But I need God to do a work in my life. The first thing you have to do is tell yourself the truth. The second thing we see Jesus did, Jesus told God the truth. Father, if there's any way out of this, I want out if it's your will. We read it. He told God the truth. He says, I don't want to do this. If there's a way to pass this cup from me, I want it to pass from me. He asked for God to let it pass from him if it was his will. And then by him being honest with God, God gave him grace to sustain him. Being honest with God. I'll give you, I'll give you a human example. My mom used to say, used to put us in a room. Me and my brother get in trouble together. She'd put us in a room. She'll go, Russell. When one of you are ready to tell the truth, you can come out of your room. When you're ready to tell the truth, you can come out of your room. Well, I believe that sometimes we're praying, and I believe that sometimes God just walks out of the room because he says, when you're ready to be real with me and tell me the truth, I'll come back and pray with you. And I'll give you an example. We fall and we repent of sin. We all sin. We all make mistakes. But how often are we true with God and saying, Father... I've asked you to deliver me from this. But today I come before you and I confess. I love drugs. I love what drugs does to me. I love how the drug makes me feel and I'm addicted to it because of my love for it. And I come before you and totally confess. I love alcohol. I love sex. I love the thrill of what I go through. I love my sin. I confess the truth before you, God, because I confess the truth with me. I don't want to be delivered. I truly don't want to be delivered because I like my sin. No one knows about it. It's just between me and you, and I like my sin. So, Father, I come before you today and I don't know how you're going to deliver me from this place that I'm in. I know it's not your will. But I ask you to forgive me, but also to take this love and this desire for this thing out of me. And give me a love for you. And then God goes, you're ready to be real. Here I am. You're ready to confess your sin. Here I am. We pray around it. Lord, forgive me. Lord, deliver me. I know you don't like it, but Lord, just forgive me. And we ask God to deliver us. But boy, when you come to the point where Jesus did with the Father and said, this is how I really feel. I repent of my love for whatever it is. Be real with God. He already knows, doesn't he? So prayer can only happen. He said, Elijah was a man with like passions as us. Listen to this. True prayer can only happen when we're authentic with God. We like to pray like we look on Sundays. 
But God is saying, I don't want your Sunday face. I want your heathen Monday face. When you come in my presence to pray, I don't want you to look like you do in church. I want you to look like you do when you're behind the desk at work. I want you to come like you do when you're stuck in traffic. I want you to have that look on when you're going in your mother-in-law's face to eat today. I want the real you before the real me saying the real thing so we can get somewhere. The truth will set you free. I want the authentic you. Jesus, the Messiah, the Lord, the King, was authentic before his father. And God sent angels to rescue him and strengthen him and allow him to be able to do it. Amen. So we've got to tell the truth to myself. I've got to tell the truth before God. God, I can't do this. I cannot do this. I need you to do it. I confess I can't do it. You're going to have to give me the courage to do it. And the third thing Jesus taught us is to tell the truth to others. He had 12 disciples, but he only took three. And he took them and he was in his sorrowful moment. He was going through a lot of pressure, a lot of pain. He says, he even said, I'm I'm agonizing to the point of death. Will you pray with me? Would you stand with me? Would you encourage me just for an hour? And Jesus fell and he was sweating blood and he was battling and he was in prayer battling with the Father. And he, there he was on his knees crying out, bleeding upon the rock. And he goes back and he finds the disciples sleeping. And instead of waking up the three, he speaks to Peter because he forgave more and he imparted more into Peter than he did into the others. And I'm sure like anyone, he was thinking, Peter, I've invested more into you. I have forgiven you more. Couldn't you be with me? There may be a sleep. Couldn't you be there for me? I've invested all of this into you. I've invested my time. I've lived the example before you. I've answered your questions. We've ate together. I've invested all of this into you. Can I just not receive receive something back? Just an hour. Can you just not give me back part of my investing in you? And then I'm sure Jesus came back the third time, saw him asleep, and he goes, I forgot. I'm on earth. It's all about you. And it's never about me. It's all about you. You're tired. You're sleepy. You're discouraged. You don't have. It hasn't worked. Jesus, I forgot. It's all about you. It can never be about me. And Jesus does something there about not only telling himself the truth, telling God the truth, he tells others the truth. And this is the reason why, and this is a hard place for many of us to get, but it's necessary. Jesus had to tell the disciples the truth because Jesus knew he had to have his heart right before he went to the cross. He says, I expected something of you three, and you let me down. I've invested in you, but you let me down. But... By telling you to come with me, the betrayer is at hand. I'm wanting you to know, I've dealt with it in my heart and I've forgiven you. I'll give you three chances, but that's all right. I'll forgive you. Because, listen to this, because what I have to do is more important than letting my heart be offended over what you just did. And so this relationship needs to be restored and I need to tell you the truth. It may hurt you, You may not like it, 
But I'm not telling the truth to you for you. I'm telling the truth for me. I'm telling the truth not for you to be free. I'm telling the truth so that I can be free and I can go on and complete the assignment that Father has given me. Because until I get it right with you, I can't go on to what God has called me to do. Until I do it the right way, until I get out of the way, when I allow God to be God and I just throw everything into this relationship and I just speak the truth in love, not my opinions, but the word, I speak the truth in love, then I'm releasing myself from being held captive over something that offended me. He had to forgive them so that he could forgive those he was looking down upon from the cross that crucified him. Some of the people that have meant the most to you, you've got to maybe have that talk. And listen, I love you, I appreciate you, but I've got to speak the truth to you. You've hurt me. And I forgive you, but I've got to let it go. And Paul said, I'm going to tell you some things that hurt you, but it's to save your soul. We've had a few people in here, they've had the widowmaker where four of their arteries are closed up. Now, when you have a widowmaker, you do not want the doctor to tell you what you want to hear. Oh, everything's fine with you. We looked at the x-rays. Man, you're going to live another 50 years and you got a widowmaker and you're really given one day. You don't go to the doctor to hear what you want to hear. You go to the doctor because you want to hear the truth that can save your life. Can I hear an Amen. You don't want to find a doctor to tell you what you want to hear. Oh, you're doing just fine. Your cholesterol is 380, but it's all right. Just keep eating donuts. You don't want a doctor and you don't want a preacher to tell you what you want to hear. You want someone to speak the truth so that it can help you, mature you, and grow you up. And so we speak the truth to ourselves. I've got an issue. I'm emotional. I need a lot of attention. Whatever it may be. This is the truth and I need to deal with it. We speak the truth to God. And then we speak the truth to others. Would you stand please today? As you close your eyes and you bow your head. Christians are praying. I believe this area of truthfulness. Is one of the open doors for a revival in our lives. In the church in our area. Our nation needs a revival of truth. We need to be able to believe in truth and trust in truth once again. But it always starts in the house of God. It won't start at the White House. It will start in the church house. And we, the body of Christ, we have to learn to believe the truth, but also trust the truth. And things that you're going through is to help you grow in areas to better trust the truth like you've never trusted it before. Not, not by what you see beyond your natural logic, but just believing Him. And so if you're here today, and if you ask yourself the question and speak to yourself in truth, I want to ask you the truth about where you're going to spend eternity. Do you really know the truth? Is it the truth that you're born again, your sins are forgiven? Your name's in the Lamb's book of life. And if you would die, do you know if you'd go to heaven or if you go to hell? If you do not know that, I want you to raise your hand right now. Just be truthful with yourself. If you're not sure you'd go to heaven, raise your hand right now, wherever you are. See those hands over there. God bless you. God bless you. Over here, God bless you. Anyone else? It's the truth 
knowing my condition spiritually that will set me free from the devil and hell and give me a promise of eternity in heaven. If you're here today and you do not know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, just raise your hands and keep them up. Anyone else, just raise your hands. Today you're going to get your life right with God. You're going to tell the truth to God and He's going to receive you and accept you exactly like you are. And He's going to start His perfect work on you. Is there anybody else? Maybe there's someone here. You've been born again. You've received them before, but you've wandered away. You've, you've, you've backslidden. You've gone into the world. You're not living the life that's right before God. And you know, being truthful with yourself, you know you're not right with God. Would you please raise your hand? You want to make it right today. Anyone at all? Over here, there's a hand. God bless you. God bless you. Anyone else? You want to get it right with God? Right here. God bless you, ma'am. God bless you. I want to ask those who raised their hands all through the auditorium, would you come down here, please come and, and let me pray with you. Let us pray with you. If there's somebody else you need to get it right with God, come and receive him today.